glad to be up here. Appreciate you guys uh, letting me share again. Uh, I'm definitely in more reflective uh, mode of this journey as things are kind of uh, drawing to a, a, a close of a chapter. And so uh, just thinking about what this place has meant to me, you, know, you guys as individuals, uh, but also just this house and how you've afforded me opportunities to minister, uh, but have ministered to me uh, in so many different ways. And I'm, I'm very grateful. Uh, just I'm very grateful to God and to each one of you. Uh, so this is a house that has fruit. And you are fruit. I am fruit. And we are producing fruit beyond this place. So don't forget it. Don't lose sight of it. Don't let the enemy steal the promise and the assurance of what God is doing in this place. Uh, appreciate the testimonies. They were uh, strong. Some of them leading into what I feel like God has put on my heart. I would love to say I have like one of those you know, beautiful message for y'all tonight, but y'all know I usually don't. Uh, so, you know, what was I thinking? Um, honestly, there's so many things I would like to say, and y'all are not here for me just to shoot you up with a shotgun of, of ideas and thoughts. And so I really had to lean into the Lord about what it is he wants me to share, and, um, he led me to First Peter. Uh, it's very, very First Peter chapter one. It is, it is almost basic, but it just feels so rich to me uh, reading it. Uh, so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to see what God has to say. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your words that you have spoken. The testimonies that are nothing short of testimonies of your work. They are words uh, coming from your spirit through your vessels uh, to minister to your people and to also shout down the darkness that would want to rise up. Uh, that are killing the things of the world that are trying to uh, reign in this, uh, in our lives and even in our midst. So Lord, I thank you that you are moving in power, that you are uh, causing there to be words of life, words of revelation, uh, words of confession, uh, words from you that are ending the power of sin and Satan in people's lives. And we just declare that right now, that the, the power of sin and Satan is over in people's lives through the blood of Jesus. So we welcome the blood in this place. We welcome the blood uh, over every one of us to purify us and cleanse us, uh, to uh, be the stamp upon each one of us that says we've been bought and redeemed, that we are not uh, lost in sin and death anymore, but that we are being raised up in new life. And Lord, I pray that you would speak through me, uh, Lord, that the words that you've given me uh, and that you will give me will be words of life, that they will be words that fall into the deepest places of our hearts, that we may be moved and stirred and transformed and empowered by you. I pray that you would remove me and you be elevated and magnified and lifted high in this place. So Lord, we just bless your name. We praise you for who you are and all that you've done, all that you're doing and all that you're going to do. We place ourselves in your hands right now in Jesus' name. 
Amen. So if you do have your Bibles, uh, it's First Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, and I, I do, but I don't apologize. I just want to read the scripture. I mean, there's, we're pretty much reading the whole chapter, and, uh, it just, I just didn't know where to stop because it was just like, oh, that's good. Oh, yeah, that's good. Oh, that's good too. Oh, well, yeah, keep going with that. Uh, so beginning in verse three, it says, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. They were told that their messages were not for themselves but for you. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It's all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He'll judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he's been revealed for your sake. Through Christ, you've come to trust God, and you've placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. 
Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And it's that word that's the good news that was preached to you. Like I said, it's, it's kind of a lot of scripture, and Peter is just, he's unloading on these people. What he's really doing, if you really want to know, Peter's talking to a world of Jews who are living in a culture that does not respect and revere and really enjoy them in their Jewishness. He's talking to people who are embracing a faith in a world that's not ready to embrace the faith. So there is persecution. So there is struggle. So there is trials. There is a sense that these Jewish people are in the world, but they're not of the world. And so because they're not of the world, they don't have access to everything that is in the world. And so there is an ostracization that is happening for these people. There's a suffering that they're enduring because of their faith. They're living for this new salvation that has been preached to them and it is creating turmoil in their lives. And so Peter, notice Peter says, you know, you love him though you have not seen him. But Peter said, Peter has seen him and loves him. And Peter's trying to encourage them. Though you have only heard the testimony of who he is, you have embraced him and loved him. And because of that, there is great reward coming to you if you can continue on in this faith. Now I know there are times where it's, it's hard. We've heard it tonight. It's hard to continue on in faith. I love your story because it just, Peter basically just said it. You're going through the trial by fire, but it's purifying you as gold. Travis is sitting there preaching Peter to you. It's beautiful to me that Peter's talking to a group of people that are wrestling with what it means to live their faith in the midst of a world that does not really want their faith. And his encouragement is, continue on. Continue on. Yes, it's hard, but continue on because this is the prize that awaits for you. There's so much here that I want to unpack, and I cannot, I cannot, other than, and I'll just tell you like I usually do, just go sit with Scripture for a while. The richness of that one chapter that basically just unpacks the entire a ball of salvation to us. Because Peter talks about salvation began when Jesus died on the cross, but then there is still a salvation that is yet to come. So yes, it matters when we say yes to Jesus. I am going to follow you. Yes, that is there. But then Peter's like, but don't give in. That's, it's beyond that. There's something even greater that is coming for us. He talks about the inheritance that is waiting for us, that is preserved for us with Christ in heaven. You know, if we go back to the Old Testament, which we've talked a lot about the Old, I have at least, the Old Testament and the promised land. The promised land was the inheritance for the people of God. That was what he told them is theirs for the taking. And so Peter's talking to these Jewish Christians and he's saying, 
there is an inheritance for you. Well, they understand that language of inheritance. But he's saying, hey, this is an inheritance for you that's not going to decay. That nobody can steal away. It's an inheritance that is being preserved for you. You have access to it now through your salvation in Jesus, but it is being preserved. The fullness of this inheritance is being preserved for you until he returns, and he will return. I've been getting uh, questions from my kids, and uh, one of them had to do with uh, Jesus coming back. And guys, this is like a very basic part of the Christian faith, is that he will return again. I don't know any part of Orthodox Christianity, in other words, the normal beliefs of Christianity that does not affirm and declare he will come again. But when I'm looking at a five-year-old who's asking me this, I'm like, and then, well, I'm looking at it and I'm like, how do I exactly explain this? And the reality is, a five-year-old will believe in the most fantastical things out there. If there's anybody that can believe that a superhero Jesus could return again, it's a five-year-old. Which then makes me ask myself, why is this hard for me to explain to him? When did my faith get so mature that I'm having to mentally process one of the most basic parts of what our faith declares, which is that he has died, he has risen, and he will come again. So, confession, that's usually a part of when I speak, is my foibles, my vulnerabilities, my, my struggles. But it really is, has been challenging to me of how much does my mind start getting in the way of trying to make logical our faith. I've been in ministries that I respect and love that that they preach heavily. He's coming back soon. He's coming back soon. You will not die uh, until Jesus comes back. You will see His coming. And I've always just kind of taken, and I, I, I feel confident in this, if he comes back tomorrow, if it's a thousand years from now, I have to do what God has told me to do today. I'm looking for his coming, but I can't operate in the sense of, oh, it might be tomorrow. But on the other hand, I'm supposed to act with that mentality. And so I've... I've been in these ministries and I've kind of taken this balanced, like, distant uh, approach. Like, yes, he's coming back, but, I mean, is it really going to be tomorrow? I mean, do you know how many, like, great men of God have said the year, they figured out the year he's coming back, and the smart ones picked the year after they died? Um, but it's even in that place that I think I can create some some mental disconnect about a core belief that we hold, which is that he is coming back. 
Because if we don't intimately connect with that reality, I love how I walked in and I saw this right here. If we don't intimately connect with the reality that he's coming back, what do we really have? Do we really have this hope that there is even a greater inheritance waiting for us? That yes, I, I will preach, it, it, it is a passion of mine that what you do today, what you do tomorrow, what you do every single day of your life is a part of the salvation process, is part of the salvation gift. That we are invited into a new way of living. But if that becomes disconnected from the hope of the fullness of salvation coming to pass when he comes again, then we have nothing better than a gospel that says, I can give you your best life right now. And if you know a popular book title, that name, I'm not trying to throw off on that. I believe in there is a best life for us right now, but I also believe it will always pale in comparison to the fullness of that inheritance being realized and received when he comes again. And that's what Peter's telling them, is yes, you have been born again. He actually uses, you have been born again, which is not actually a frequent phrase in the epistle. Jesus uses it in the Gospels, but Peter brings it in. He says, you have been born again, and you have been brought into new life, but endure the trials that you are going through right now because your endurance will lead to praise and honor and glory when he returns. Peter lives with that tension of Jesus has done it, but he's doing a whole lot more for us in the future. He's done it so we get to walk in a newness, but there is so much more for us coming, so hang in there. Keep living with Him. Keep walking with Him. Keep embracing all that He has for you. And that's where He pivots in the middle of this passage where He says, I've told you all this about what Jesus has done, so prepare your minds for action. Exercise self-control. Put your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus is revealed to the world. There is a part of us that moves beyond just, I accept Jesus, I've walked the aisle, and there we go. But he says, it is. it translates into minds ready for action. We are a people that are to be actively living our faith. We are a people that, are, despite what the world throws at us, despite the labels and the lies that get attached to us, despite our own stuff that we're having to work through, we are a people that are called to live actively in our faith that others may see the demonstration of the kingdom right in their midst. That it's not about checking some boxes. And don't, don't hear me 
when I'm reading Peter. Don't hear Peter saying that. It's not about checking some boxes. He's calling you to holiness. You better believe it. But we all know where holiness comes from. It comes from the blood of Christ that washes us clean. That's the holiness we get to walk into. And that's why Peter is just pushing us more and more into Jesus. And he says, be holy as God is holy. That means coming into the salvation of the blood of Christ. And in that place, living out your faith. And as you do, and as you're living out that faith, the world sees the kingdom of heaven demonstrated before their very eyes I heard a very uh, this was for class and uh, uh, I heard a good preacher who was talking about uh, so it's not my illustration but um, he was talking about how when the British went to Africa uh, the Africans were able to figure out the British culture by watching the British people in their midst the things they did. They, uh, this, again, I'm not, I'm just using what he said, but basically, you know, they picked up a flat stick and would hit a ball and the Africans learned about cricket. Uh, they would take, uh, tea at four o'clock in the afternoon, so the Africans learned that's what the British do. And the, the, the translation for this preacher was, so you, as members of the kingdom of heaven, what you do speaks to what the kingdom, what's going on in the kingdom of heaven. And so I ask myself, what part of my life, if people are looking at it, do they see the kingdom of heaven? Or do they still see the kingdom of the world? Like kind of Trenton was talking about, he's wrestling with, sorry to put you on a podcast. Uh, (laughs) The kingdom of the world, is that what's being made manifest before people's eyes? And I'm putting the kingdom of heaven stamp on it creating confusion. And so Peter, when he's trying to encourage these, these Jewish believers, he's recalling you know, all that it means for salvation. And I love how, how in such high esteem this idea and this story of salvation uh, is presented by Peter where he talks about the prophets of old knew about this salvation And it says they wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterward. And these prophets, Peter's like, these prophets of old knew what was coming, and they're wondering and even trying to figure it out, like, when is it coming? What are you talking about? And the response from God was that these messages aren't for them. They're for a later people. Such an active interaction between the prophets. There's not just that they aren't just mouthpieces, but they're engagers with God because they're asking him. He's giving them these downloads and they're asking him, hey, what, when is this? What are you talking about? And he's like, it's not for you to even know. But we, on the other side of this, we get to live in the realm where even angels are eagerly watching things happen. Because even they want to see salvation of Christ played out. When He comes back with the throng of angels, they want to be there to see this salvation that Peter's talking about. We are it. 
We are what has been saved. It's his work that is coming, that is working in us and is coming to be completed in the light of his return. And Peter goes on with the salvation. He says, you know, this isn't just silver and gold that was bought for you. But it was the blood that was a ransom for each one of us. I can't remember who talked about it. Um, Maybe Nicholas tonight, but just mercy. Uh, The mercy of God to sacrifice so much for each one of us. Just how beautiful this salvation is that we receive as an inheritance because of what He did and because of our belief in Him. It's His mercy. I'm a, I'm, more, I'm more of a grace guy than a mercy guy. I'll just be honest. I don't. I probably don't dwell in the place of mercy as much as is deserving of all that God has done. I'm more of a He has grace for us and grace that empowers us to live in Him. But but yeah, mercy mercy was received when I first said yes. But but I love how just even the language Peter's using brings this mercy into a continuing lifestyle with God. It is His mercy that continues to help us. Because I'm not perfect, and none of y'all are either, I'm sorry to say. But it's His mercy that still calls you son and still calls you daughter. It's His mercy that covers you in the blood of Christ and says, I see you as clean and righteous. It's His mercy that says, yeah, you look pretty muddy and messed up and I'm going to bring the washcloth to kind of clean you up. It's His mercy that says, yes, you've made a total wreck of things and I am still here with you. He is still here with us. Peter quotes Isaiah 40 when he talks about people of grass and... uh, so I went back and read Isaiah 40. And if you begin in verse 6, it says, A voice says, Shout. And I asked, Well, what should I shout? And I love this because it's like, it's kind of exciting. It just talked about the glory of God will be revealed. And it says, A voice says, Shout. And I said, Well, what am I supposed to shout? And it says, People are like grass. And it's like, Wait, what? <laughs> That's kind of heavy. <laughs> people are like grass. Shout, that says, shout that people are like grass. Their beauty fades as quickly as the flowers in a field. The grass withers and the flowers fade. 
beneath the breath of the Lord. And so it is with people. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Peter takes that passage, which, I mean, I said it kind of in jest, but it really did, it humored me when I read it, because it really was this build-up of, you know, make straight the ways in the wilderness for the Lord. You know, lay low the mountains and fill in the valleys so the glory of God will be revealed. And shout, and what shall I shout in this moment of triumph and excitement? People are grass. I'm like, wait, what? So then Peter comes along here and repeats this, and he says, you've been born again into a new life, and it's a new life that comes from the Word of God. And because this new Word of God has been implanted in you, he doesn't go this far, but the implication is there that you are not grass. You do not fade away. You do not wither. Because he has implanted something in you that is so much grander and so much more beautiful than the, than the, the destruction. What, and what this uh, version says, empty life you inherited. You are not grass. passage in Isaiah, and this is where I think Peter's, this is where I think Peter's uh, talking about Jesus returning again. It is even uh, brought forth in Isaiah after it says, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Why do y'all know this, Pat, that, that passage, if you've been in a traditional church? Because that's like, you know, when we, after we read the scriptures, it's like the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. You know, it's interesting they don't open that with people are grass that withers and dies away. I mean, they, they leave that part out. Obviously, they're emphasizing that the word of God endures forever. And so Peter says, the word of God endures forever. And if we jump back to Isaiah, because Peter is telling us it's that word that lives inside of us. And it's that word that carries us all the way to Jesus' return. And so what does that return look like? It says, O Zion, messenger of good news, Shout from the mountaintop. Shout it louder, O Jerusalem. Shout and do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. That's our promise. That's our hope. That's what lifts us up as we are going through the trials that are refining us with fire that we may be purified as gold. It's your God is coming. He's coming and he's coming for you to give you the inheritance that's beyond your imagination, that's beyond what you can even put together in your most perfect life right here, right now. Your God is coming. Yes, the Sovereign Lord is coming in power. And he will rule with a powerful arm. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. And he'll carry the lamb in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. 
we have a Savior who not only did it then, who through the Holy Spirit right now is doing it now, but who will do it then in the future when He comes again for us. So our task is endure. Our task is to have minds ready for action. Our task is to exercise self-control as we embrace the gracious salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. This house, He is working here. I've said that to y'all before, but He is so at work in our midst. That retreat, the testimonies from that retreat are evidence of that. Zach's testimony is evidence of that. I'm telling you God's at work in what you're doing right now, what you're struggling with. All of this, God is at work in us. And He's welcoming us to hold on to that hope and that reality that yeah, He is giving us our best life now. But He's got so much more coming. Maybe we are sitting there and we've, we've made our mistakes. And we're taking it on the chin because of our mistakes. Or maybe it is that we didn't do anything wrong, but life happened. He's saying, I'm with you. I'm empowering you. Endure. In your endurance, there is a reward. Isaiah said that he's coming with a reward. Peter echoes that. You will receive your reward. This is our hope. Some of y'all might be living on cloud nine and thinking, well, I'm doing good right now. Everything's falling into place. Don't be deceived into some sort of complacency. I'm not saying destruction or trials around the corner for you. I'm just saying it's even in those times that we hold on to the hope that even as great as my cloud nine where everything's falling into place for me, even as great as all that is, I know there's even a greater coming. And I hold on to that hope. I'm going to wrap up because it's uh, almost six, seven. Uh, I have so I have four minutes left, and uh, but I just I want to close with a blessing for this house. Uh, I want us to embrace the reality that not only have we been bought dear with the blood. But in places of struggle and trial, we're gonna, I want to just go ahead and put a stake in the ground that this is a house of gold. I'm declaring it right now that this is a house of gold. And yes, you've struggled. Yes, you've had trials. 
But God has not been absent, and he has not missed one second of it. And at the end of these trials, this is a house of gold. You are not grass. Not any one of you. But you are gold. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this place. I thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, that you will continue to minister in the ways that you know how to minister in the power that comes from you. I pray that you would speak as needs to be spoken. But Lord, I pray a blessing over this house, that it is a house of gold, that though there may be trials that people have endured and had to walk through, Lord, I pray for grace to continue. And I pray that you would give them grace to endure to the refinement of pure gold, that this would be a a testimonial church to the world that when people look at this place, they say, I see the kingdom of heaven when I look at those people. They are a people of gold. They are not a people withering like grass and being blown about in the wind, but they are being tested, tried, and they've come out shining as gold. So Lord, I pray that you continue, not just tonight, And not even this week or this month, but I pray for years and years and years that you will continue to minister to this body and that you will continue to minister through this body. I pray that in this house your joy would be made full. That there would be a growing knowledge and revelation of who you are. That through the trials and struggles of sickness and pain, oppression and depression, anxiety and struggle, Lord, that through these things and your deliverance of the same, that there would be a new anointing and grace to bring healing to your people. That this would be a place where healers are sent out to heal the broken and hurting and sick. Lord, I know that you know what this place is, and I pray that you would even begin to reveal it to the people here. But in the meantime, give us grace. Give us grace to endure. May we be a people with minds ready for action, with self-control, as we embrace the gracious salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. Would you be the one that leads us? Be strong in this house. In your presence, be strong in this house. And be strong for this house. Not that this house will be lifted up on a hill, but that your name may be shouted from the rooftops. There's so much shouting in your word. I pray that we will be a shouting people that shout who you are.
your greatness and your glory. They would shout that you're coming and that you're coming in great ways for your people. Be strong for this house that your name may be magnified and elevated and others would come to know you. Come to know you in the life-giving ways that you have. Lord, I bless this house. I am grateful for this house. In Jesus' name, amen.